Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler podcast. My name is Elliot and I appreciate you being on here and listening to this episode today. I hope that you've been liking everything that we've got going on here. If you want to be more of a part of it, you can join us over at the Facebook group, the North American Waterfowler podcast, or join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And tonight what I've got for you is once a month, I try to have a patron on where I randomly select, we spin a wheel and I randomly select a winner to come on and join me on the podcast. I did miss the month of September, so we're getting back into that. So if you want to be a part of that, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And also these events are open to all patrons to come and talk and, and chat and just kind of be part of the live experience. And there's many other um, perks that you get from Patreon if that's something that you want to join as well. But before I bring Spencer on here, I did want to remind you, if you're looking for your waterfowl hunting needs, whether it's decoys or blinds or or clothing fabrand.com the code is fdh10 for 10 percent off and if you're in the market for new gear i just ask that you go and look at what they've got and just see it because this this company is not like the fa that your dad was mine from it's different it's now controlled by rogers and i am fully invested in the people that work there rogers has a really good name in the industry i know cabela's before they got bought out was always kind of you know people were disgruntled with them i've not heard people say negative words about rogers and i think most waterfowlers buy from rogers which is actually only about an hour from my house across the missouri border and great guys great family business and they have a um, partial ownership in final approach and and they're the ones that are designing all of the new gear so before you buy something new, go on over there at fabrand.com. And if you see something you like, the code is FDH10. And then also don't forget to download the OnX Hunt app. It is absolutely revolutionized the way that I do waterfowl hunting. Before OnX, in fact, I'm going on a trip next week and I'm going up to a Missouri or to a river up north. And the first time I went there nine years ago, I was printing and laminating satellite imagery maps and i would actually have them i bound them in a little binder and as i was in the boat i was looking through satellite images i mean onyx has changed everything yes google has satellite imagery but i promise you you cannot do the things on google that you can on on x and man i'm just sharing pins all the time and trails all the time if you haven't seen that you need to get on and check it out i have i don't have a promo code for that but it's on x hunt and then finally bobby hayes at ducklander calls is putting out just world-class duck calls where he puts all of his effort all of his energy into that he's just a one-man show there it's not like a big corporation or anything it's bobby and his shop and so make sure and go to ducklander calls and check that out so those are our partners. I appreciate if you um, give them consideration when you're buying those things because it would really, really help me out. Um, so let's go ahead and bring on tonight's guest, which is Spencer Ebler. I said that right, Spencer Ebler. How's it going, Spencer? It's going great, Elliot. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking your time. 
take taking the time to come on here. And like I told you before, I really enjoy these episodes because it's just like talking to someone about waterfowling and I can't get enough. And it, just finding out like what people have gone through in their journey, where they hunt, what their styles are like are really, really interesting to me. So start off by just giving me and the listeners just an overview of your hunting. How did it start? How did it progress? Whatever you'd like to say, I'll add in questions as we go, but just kind of take us through your hunting career. Yeah. So growing up in Southeast Nebraska, I grew up in Lincoln. Uh, both of my grandparents were farmers. So we, you know, we had property that we could go to. And so always a private land hunter, but, uh, it was all upland game, you know, 100% pheasants. I mean, we had ducks in the area, but I didn't know anything about duck hunting, never duck hunted. Uh, but pheasant hunted, I wouldn't say every weekend during the season, but we typically would go to grandparents pretty much every weekend. So, uh, I would, you know, close to dairy season, pretty much pheasant hunting was, was a, you know, two day a weekend kind of thing. And, uh, and that was in that area where you grew up or did you have to travel? Well, so Lincoln is about 50 miles from that, what I would call the true Southeast corner of Nebraska, where it gets a little right. hillier and, uh, it, it's uh, Nebraska city direction. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 50, a 50 minute drive to get to, uh, the grandparents that lived in Southeast Nebraska. Now the other ones were Grand Island, which is more central. Gotcha. You know, right on the interstate. Right. So right, two, right. two different directions, but, uh, my father's side was the closer one and, and they had more of a true farm where, you know, we got involved with everything from, you know, gosh, butchering animals to taking care of everything. So we would probably go three to three weekends in a row there. And then one weekend to the other side. So as much as I say it was both, it, it was truly a lot more southeast Nebraska. Okay, because yeah. I know, like I live in northeast Kansas. Sure, like, I'm only thir- I'm about thirty minutes from the maybe four. Well, more like forty five minutes from the border, um, but tucked right up right up okay. in there. And we actually don't have pheasants in this part of the state. Well, now we don't. But as I go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. We don't. Pheasants are really low. Like, like when I went back, like, so last year I went back and I, and I tried to do a combination pheasant duck hunting. I try to go back to Nebraska, at least now that I've, the last three years that I've been a duck hunter, I, I go back and I try to do a couple days of pheasant hunting and then four or five days of duck hunting. And mm-hmm. it was dry a lot. It's been dry there the last year or so. Not, not this year, but the last couple of years. And the, the, the pheasant population is almost zero in the Southeast part of Nebraska. Now back in 95, you know, when, when I graduated or, graduated from college, you know, pheasants were everywhere. Um, so all the way from, say, 1975 when I started hunting, um, when I was six or seven, all the way up to 95, pheasants were everywhere. I mean, you, you could shoot them easily. But now, no, right. you would go you would go pheasant hunting now, and you'd be lucky to see a couple. Okay. Yeah, I wondered about that because I, I grew up in central Kansas, and it was great upland at the time. And it's still okay, but, like, this side of the state is non-existent. Gotcha. So anyway, continue on with your. Yeah. With your so anyhow, hunting. that's kind of what I knew as hunting and loved it. You know, it was it was like the one chance to, you know, almost always did with my father. It was our, it was our chance to kind of understand nature and, and not butt heads, because um, as we briefly talked to her, you know, I'm, I'm very opinionated. He's very opinionated. We, uh, we we knew how to butt heads a little bit. But uh, when it came to hunting, it was just, you know, it's 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 pure and it's, uh, you know, a chance to be outside. So so that that was that. And then. Um, had kids, moved to Te- – well, first moved to Texas, in North Texas, um, kind of DFW. What, what year was that that you uh, We moved Texas? in 95 to Austin, and we were there for 15, 20 years, and then we moved up to Dallas. North, It's north of Dallas, but uh, anyhow, um, in that area, and, and we did that in 2005. Yeah, 2005. So all those years, you know, I had I had two kids growing up, and, and they never really um, grasped the, the uh, that part of the outdoors. Um, you know, my kids love outdoors, but not the hunting part of it. And so, and sons or sons or daughters, one son, one daughter. Okay. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, just hunting was just not their thing. And I, I've got a thousand hobbies. And so it was easy for me to, 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 um, to, you know, put my emphasis or, or spend my time away from hunting. And I was fine with that. But then about the time that they graduated from college or were getting, going to college and out of the house, um, you know, hunting started getting back on my brain. And I probably think three or four years before they got done, I knew that that was going to happen. You know, once, once mm-hmm. they were out of the house, I would, uh, 
because I loved it too much. Um, so, but right. anyhow, so once they got into college, uh, one one went to Lubbock and the other was here in town. Um, I, hunting came back, and it it was really either deer hunting, which um, I'm a, I'm a public land hunter now, so it's either mm-hmm. get a deer lease um, or learn, learn to shoot a bow um, or go for something else. And really, I think the only upland is probably um amarillo direction unless you want to do a lease mm-hmm. like down around austin or something like that and it's just not you know that's not something i need to get involved in so duck duck just kind of made sense but i knew nothing about it um yeah before before you move into that transition in your life i do want i want to ask you more question about your kids because this is something that's kind of kind of personal to me did for my sons i've got one biological son who's now 20 and from the relationship I had with my father, I just always expected him to like transition to have that same relationship with me where it was hunting, hunting, duck hunting, duck hunting. Did you have those same kind of expectations? I, it could be your daughter or son. For me, it, it was my son. Did you have those kind of expectations? And how, how was it difficult for you when you felt like they didn't want that shared interest of, of hunting well, with you? Or was that not something? Yeah, so let's start with this. My son's name is Hunter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but, not, but, but not for that reason. So that's not why we named him Hunter. Um, but anyhow, uh, but, you know, I kind of, I don't know, you know, like he loved to shoot a bow and arrow. He's very good aim. Uh, I'm terrible aim. Um, he, he's really good at that. Um, but he, the actual animal part of it, I, I knew right away. I mean, he was, he's like very caring, very, you know, and not that hunters mm-hmm. can't be caring, but it was pretty obvious at an early age that that probably wasn't going to happen. Um, but I would like say the, the kill part, the, the kill part of it bothered him. What's that? The kill part of it. bothered. Oh, definitely. Him. Definitely. He, he would right. be, he, you know, he, I'm sure he picked up many, um, injured animals, and didn't didn't uh, forget about that thought. And you know, I mean, like I'm sure he went to bed at night thinking, still thinking about that injured injured animal. So right. that that right. at an early age. So maybe maybe the day he was born, I'd say, yeah, I've got I've got a son that's gonna be a hunter. You know, he's gonna hunt with me someday. Mm-hmm. But by the age of three, four, five, six, uh, it was pretty obvious that that you know <laughs> might not be the case. So that wasn't a real tough struggle for you. No, as he got older, so. I think. Um, and, and uh, you know, once in a while, I'd go back to Nebraska and, and hunt non-resident. I'd be non-resident, hunt with my dad. So I, I still had that, um, you right. know, until he passed. But um, no, I don't think it was a struggle. Yeah, for me, it really was. It's like I'm so single-minded. Honestly, it's like I, I just I, I eat, breathe, and sleep waterfowl hunting just more than I probably should. And so, and sports, it's like you know. Chiefs, Royals, KU basketball, hunting. That's like encapsulates. I, I just don't do well like outside of that. I don't have much to say outside of that. Yeah. And it's almost like for my personal friends, if you're not if you're not a waterfowl hunter, you're probably not gonna really be a great friend of mine because I just don't have a lot to say. Yeah, I'm, and so yeah, we're similar. I mean I, I spend a lot I, I know about every Nebraska anything, whether it's Football, baseball, basketball, volleyball. I mean, I, I dive into that crazy, and I dive. Yeah. Into, I mean, like, like hunting. I think about it, even though the season might be whatever it is, fifty, sixty days. I probably think mm-hmm. about it three hundred and ten days. You know, so right. I'm yeah, yeah, very similar. I'm just, uh, and when I dive into something, I go, you know, I go nonstop. So, I guess when he rejected all those things, it was really, really difficult. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't put pressure on him. I, my approach was. I know that that kids have to, they can't be pressured into loving your thing. Either they're going to be passionate or not. So I took him out at a young age and I took him out and gave him opportunities, but I never forced it on him. In fact, I've always wondered like, well, maybe I just said, Hey, this is what we do. This is what expected. But I really wanted to be, Hey, it's got to be your passion. I'm like that with people I hunt with. It's like, if you don't love being out there, I really don't want you there. I don't want someone there that's just kind of, eh, or doesn't really like it. You know, if you're there, I want you to really enjoy it or don't go. Um, but it, that was always really, really hard for me. It has been, and it's, it's still, I, I've kind of gotten over it a little bit, but it just didn't meet my expectations. Cause it just, maybe I was expecting it to fulfill that. My dad's getting older and now I'm the dad. He's anyway, I was just curious no, how yeah. you personally dealt with that. Yeah, no, that, and that makes complete sense to, to feel like that's your, you know, a simple way to keep that rolling. Um, and to have it happen. Right. Um, for me, maybe it's just because I still had, 
he was young enough maybe to know, not that my daughter couldn't have been that person, but um, he was young enough. I, when he was, when I figured it out, he was still young enough. And my father, even though my father was 600 miles away, he was still into that. So, you know, we, we still had that, whether it was two days a year right. or four days a year, whatever it was, it was still there. Yeah. But now I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and uh, yeah. Uh, so you were tra- transitioning as, as they got started getting a little older, you started to kind of get more hardcore into waterfall hunting. At that time, you're living north of Dallas, right? Yeah. So it's a it's, okay. it's little city called, Fly- not city, it's suburb of north, north of the airport. It's Flower Mound. Um, you know, it's just mm-hmm. part of the whole Metroplex. Okay. So what what's going Move on with your. Yeah. So, so um, I don't think I've ever done a guided um, hunt or fish or anything. It's always just been. I'm a DIY guy, um, mm-hmm. so public land. Uh, I mean, it started where it was actually during the split. I want to say four years ago. So my brother, my brother-in-law, brother-in-law and I decided. First, we talked about just going to shoot and skeet because we were both in the same situation where our kids were a little bit, you know, not so much into hunting. And after two days of pondering it, we said, "Let's just do it," you know. And so um, we started. I guess we had three days. It was we decided during the split, and so we had three days before the second part of the season opened up, and we just kind of, you know, just started doing it. And, and he probably hunted. He he duck hunted as a kid. His brother was a duck hunter, so he knew it better than I did. Um, but uh, we, you know, we just dove into it, and it's all public lakes. You know, we there's Ray Roberts, and there's you know there's three or four lakes around here, as well as the whole state has its, you know, it's it has its. Um, spots to go but uh you know there's there's also the least world and that's just something i've never really um gone down part of it's that i don't i don't get the whole feeding corn and i get the whole fence thing i'm just i'm a natural person that prefers wide like wide open like i love west texas i love west kansas i love west western nebraska because it's just got that wide open feel and and you know a deer if a deer wants to run 20 miles they can run 20 miles i mean that's just i love that part of the country yeah, amen, amen so, to that, um, man. I, I have, I, I love Kansas, but the more I'm in Nebraska, the it's hard for me to say that that I love because I, I I have to say I love Kansas more than Nebraska because I'm a Kansas boy. <laughs> but what Nebraska offers wildlife wise far surpasses Kansas. There's just no doubt. It just does. It's just I've been into those remote areas now. I've been all through the Sand Hills. I've been all. I haven't hunted the Platte yet, but I will this year. I've been clear out to you know, the, the Western edge where it hits Wyoming and my gosh, it's a spectacular state. I cannot believe that people try to call it fly, flyover territory. Like it's like, it's just no good. It is a spectacular state and it offers wide expanse. Yes. Yeah. Where you just can feel like where I was hunting. It's like Louis weekend with Matt. It's like, it feels massive. It feels like those Hills just roll on and on. And there's a, there is a spirit in that area that is just like nothing else yeah that, 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 especially if you get way up in that pine ridge area um you know the the train changes are crazy and uh, i went out i went I, i'm not a turkey hunter but three years ago after my first half season at duck hunting i decided to go up to western nebraska and, and try to figure out the, the turkey game and I, mm. I, I had no idea what i was doing but i just drove around for days i think four i was there four days and i probably drove nine ten hours a day through the little, wow. you know, they, they have the whole um, concept where they're, they're, I guess they're public roads, but they're leased out as farmland and you open gate, you drive through, you close the gate and you drive 10 more miles and you keep doing that. And I, I did that for four straight days and I never really found a true turkey spot, even though I did see a couple turkey, but I didn't really find turkey, but I came across a couple of couple water holes. So this is April, May, whenever turkey, spring turkey is. And I came across a couple of water holes that had ducks on them. And being being a Texas duck hunter, even though I'm originally a Nebraska hunter, upland game hunter, I, I've never seen the true like spring thing go on where you get thousands of ducks in pairs, and mm-hmm. they're just you you can hear the birds singing and you know making noise. Mm-hmm. I I had never experienced that, and, and it, it's kind of up in the area where you guys were. But uh, anyhow, um, it's just just amazing, and so. Every year going back now, I, that's that's just all I can think about. And, and I love Texas uh, right. Texas hunting. When we get ducks, it's fun. But that's because springtime here, you're not going to see ducks doing what they were doing up there. 
And, and so mm-hmm. that was just amazing to see that. But uh, anyhow, it's uh, it's fun. Yeah. So a- as you started getting back into waterfowl hunting, that was you said what ninety five ish range? No, or was that uh, that? duck hunting. No, you moved in ninety. I moved. I moved. What was the? I moved from from uh, Nebraska to Austin in ninety five, up to Dallas okay. in two thousand five. Started duck hunting. Okay. I think this is if I my memory is correct. This is the start of my fourth year. So I okay. But but the first year I only did the last you know forty days or whatever whatever the days are after the split. So right, right. I did two full seasons. I did a second half of a season, and now I've done teal season. So I've done two full seasons in enough parts to make it three seasons. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Okay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, what is different about the waterfowl hunting there in Texas compared to the Lincoln area where you grew up? What, what differences are there in the waterfowl hunting? Well, so waterfowl hunting, I don't know about Nebraska because I never did it. And Oh, you were up now, there. Now, I've gone up a couple times. But I spend so much time when I go to Nebraska, I drive up through the Oklahoma, the Texas Panhandle, up through Oklahoma Panhandle. I stopped the Cheyenne Bonds uh, two years ago for three days and mm-hmm. loved it, except for I don't love the, the Army machine gun, thousands of people shooting guns at one time. I didn't like that. But the, the right, amount right. of guns we saw was amazing. Um, and so I spend most of my time in western Nebraska. Um, okay. but I did, I did hunt two days. I went to, I went back there and last year I went back during a football, uh, Nebraska football game. And so then I did hunt two days in Lincoln or, or near. Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah. what's different? I know, I don't know. I, I got lucky one day and saw, you know, uh, okay. So Texas, I've never seen big groups of ducks. It's always mm-hmm. fours, twos, fives. Now this teal season, I did see a group of 18 mallards, um, 17, 18 mm-hmm. mallards, which I, I never see that in Texas. Probably because of the places I go. But when I was up in Nebraska in the Lincoln area, um, I did come across some spot, you know, some some good patches of birds that, that really wanted in. And, and there were big, you know, five mallards and nine mallards and three mallards and then 11 mallards, you know, decent sized groups. Like right. that's different. Um, unfortunately, the two years I've, I've gone western, it's been dry. So I have yet to mm-hmm. really, besides that spring, that spring turkey season, which wasn't duck hunting, there was, it had just rained a bunch that month. And so there was water everywhere. But unfortunately, the two yeah. years that I've done kind of Nebraska Western, it's just been dry. Yeah, this is year three now of it being dry. And I, I've just had it. I am just so fed up with it. And I don't know when it's going to give us some water. And when, I mean, there's just so many places that I want to hunt that yeah. I really can't. Yeah. And this year is looking worse than before. And it, all it does is it just sucks everyone together. You know, you just have less water, but the same hunters and everyone just gets pulled in together. And worse hides. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's just a real pain. So when you went to the bottoms, was that on the opening weekend or is that just, no, it was, um, I want to say, Oh, I pheasant hunted in Nebraska after I got up there. So it would have had to been, um, second split. 
I don't recall if it was the second weekend of the second split or even late. Probably. Okay. I, I don't know my dates when I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly when pheasant hunting starts in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, no, it was not opening. It, it was later on. And we caught a good weekend. Okay. We got some good cold fronts and it was cool. It, it's the first time I'd ever seen cold fronts affect birds. Again, being in Texas, right. we just didn't give me cold fronts. But, mm-hmm. but the second day, probably 40 minutes before sunset, the teal just started coming. I mean, the wind started blowing super hard. Yeah. And the temperature dropped and the teal uh-huh. were just coming in by, it'd be group of 40, group of 40, group of 20, yeah. you know. And, right. and so we probably shot that day. We probably, there's three of us. We shot probably five birds, seven birds in the first how many ever hours. But then in the last 40 mm-hmm. minutes, we shot probably 11 teal or something like that. You know, just yeah. they were yeah. coming in. So. Isn't that so fun when you haven't had the greatest day and then all of a sudden it just a light switch goes off? Cause it, that's just the most, I think my, my favorite hunts are when my expectations are kind of low, but then the end, the turnout is really, really fantastic. Yeah. Cause your emotions are just set for one thing and then boom, there it is. It's just so exciting. That's the thing about public land. It's like, I don't want to limit out, limit out every time that I hunt, because if you're going to limit out every time you hunt, you're not going to have the emotional highs Exactly. because it's like, if you eat pizza every day, you're going to stop. It's not going to be as thrilling as it is. If you have it one out of every 10 days, you know, or, or whatever. And I, I, I truly believe that in public land offers it. Were, were you guys able to get away from people out there? Or did you feel it so was we kind of really overpressured? Um, mm-hmm. And so not that they were close to us. You could just, you couldn't really, you could barely see them. So they're far enough mm. where, you, where you could just barely see a speck moving. Um, but you just, you know, you just hear the shooting. Um, right. And uh, like, like when I look at my list of what makes a good hunt to me, I think one time you actually, I was watching something on yours that you were talking about maybe adding it to your, to your app where it doesn't matter if I shot six birds. I want to, I want to rate that hunt. As a five hunter satisfaction, hunter, thank you, hunter satisfaction. Yeah. So when I think of my hunter satisfaction, like like no car noise, no other gun noise is like yes, is like at the top, and it has three times as much power as the next thing. You know, (laughs) right? It's so high for for me anyway. And like if I see wildlife, that's awesome. Um, Killing Mm -hmm. a bird, I mean, one's enough. I mean, hey, I'd love to get six, and I'll take it. Um, but, but having that quiet, peaceful, uh, time is just amazing for me. I mean, it's my chance to just let my brain go and, and, uh, it's all, that's all I care about, you know? Yeah. I definitely want to be successful, but ultimately what I really need is I, I don't like a hunt. If I feel like there's no duck in the whole state. Like those days where you're just like, there's nothing here. I have no tolerance for that. (laughs) But if I see them flying and I feel like I have a chance, I'm okay. okay. Now, if I don't shoot anything, I may feel a little frustrated, but ultimately, as long as I'm seeing birds and inside, I feel like, Hey, it could happen at any time. If it doesn't, it doesn't kill me, but I can't stand like when you're fishing and you feel like there's no fish in this entire lake. You know, that's yeah. how it feels like I can't, that feeling I can't do. So when I go I fishing, can't. I leave early and my, it drives my wife crazy because I don't come back at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. when the fish stop biting. I fish all day long. I barely get my, my kayak out of the water by the time it gets dark. And I get home like so dark that it seems like it's the next day. And so kind of the, that was the thing about Cheyenne Bonds. That was cool because uh, Texas, where I hunt in Texas, you're off the water at noon. Every place you have to quit at noon. You, ha- you have to be? You have, you have to, to quit at noon? Now, that's not the whole state, but that's the places I go. So the three or four mm. places I go, they're all done by noon. And that's just what I love about when I go to Nebraska and then the time of Cheyenne Mountains. It's like mm. I, if I can see like you like you're talking about, if I can see three or four groups of ducks in the first hour, shoot one or more, I could sit there until sunset, just enjoying peace, mm. you know, and just yeah. just enjoying that part of it. Which you could still do. I guess you could. I guess you could. In theory, I could take my gun and take it back to the car, put the gun in the car, and then go back and enjoy peace, you know, and, and enjoy nature. But it's just, but that gives you the reason to be there. That's the reason. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and some people love to love nature. To um, they want to hike, they want to walk their dog. You know, whatever. They just want to get outside. For me, the hunting is like, it's like the thing that takes me back. You know, twelve centuries ago, or however right, far back. I mean, like that's that's the that bonus to me is really crucial. 
because it's like right. it's like what where we came from, you know, where not that right. walking a dog down, down a smooth path isn't fun, but um, and we do that, but um, that the hunting added to the nature is, is like key. I mean, for me, it's just. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, hundred percent. So if you if you think of like a cat laying outside in, in a nice beautiful day, laying in the grass all lazily, versus a cat that sees like a rabbit or some type of prey across the yard, the cat goes from relaxed and lazy to alert. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing for us. Like you said, there's something that having that little predatory aspect to it ties into something so down deep in us. That we're still enjoying everything, or we're enjoying the nature, but I enjoyed it at a completely different level when there's that hinge of predatory instinct. Yep. That goes. It like brings you, it brings you up, it brings you to your senses, it brings you alert. You're seeing things more clearly, you're seeing things different. And and we're enjoying the whole sunset, sunrises, everything at the same time. But to have that little awareness triggered, I think for me is is a huge, huge part of it. I find peace in that. When I have that triggered and whether I am sitting out in a marsh and it's always around water for me, I am more at peace in that mode of me than any other aspect, any, any other aspect of my life. I mean, I go to church and, and I want to go to church, but my, I find closeness to God in those times. Like I, I do some at church, but, and I hate to be, I don't feel like I'm being sacrilegious or anything, but it's like, I, I find a closeness to God in those moments that is hard to achieve a peace and tranquility that is somehow triggered by the predatory thing a little bit. I don't know. It's odd. I hear you. So the places that you hunt in Texas, are they, um, would you consider it plains, rolling Hills? Are there trees involved? Is it shallow marshes? Is it more big reservoirs? Is it rivers? What tell us more about it? Yeah. So, um, you know, Ray Roberts is a great fishing lake. And it's got some mud flats and some stuff in the back, but man, the ducks, I don't find the ducks there. It's, it's like the most peaceful because it's 40 minutes away and it's, it's, there's small towns around, but it's peaceful. So I love it about that, but I never have an expectation of shooting many ducks there. Maybe, you know, a couple, two or less, whatever. Um, and then, you know, the other place, um, the grapevine lake, one place I go, there's a good mud flat in the back and that's, um, you know, the only part that they really let you, really let you hunt. And then I, mm-hmm. I found another place that um, right now it's bone dry, which is crazy. But normally it's just like flooded pig water, you know, like uh, you, know, you mm-hmm. see wild pigs out there running around and, and uh, that kind of thing. So there, my, my favorite spot is just a tiny hole. It's probably, um, it, it's considered part of the creek, but it, it's in a bend and it's probably... 14 yards across and 70 yards long. But okay. of those 70 yards, the first 15 and the last 20, you know, a bird, a duck could land there, but it's tight. You know, I've seen wood ducks yeah. pop in those little holes, but really it's, it's, it's basically a, a football shaped 14 yard by 45 yard pocket that mm. they have to drop into. And you know, the trees in Texas aren't big, but they're, let's say the trees are 30, 35 feet tall. Um, you know, they've got to drop in pretty hard to get into that spot. And that's my, that's, yeah, that's my, fun. my go-to, my favorite spot. Um, mm-hmm. my biggest thing, and it's driven me crazy because as we talked about what dry, what, what really fires me up about duck hunting, the quietness and all that is that I don't have a dog and man, if that bird's not dead, it, it's only got to swim six yards to get to the buck brush. If that's what you guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. and, and you can't crawl under that stuff. Gone. You know, you can't get to him. So, so I'm re- like the thing that drove me crazy about last season is at the the last five hunts, I crippled three birds, mm-hmm. and like two of them, I like, hit hard. They hit the water, went under the water. You know, like 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 I'm waiting for this bird to come back up dead, and right. they just swim away. And so that that's that's like that's got me. So the last 250 days, I've been my my head's been bouncing on the the shot. Um, you know, the the bismuth or the just to do, what else right. can I do? Because that crippling, as much as like I love duck hunting and I want that one bird or the six birds or whatever it is, that one wounded bird is like almost like ruins. A perfect hunt could be 100% washed away, you know, with that right. one that one situation. I know it's part of nature. It's part of life. And I know a coyote or something's going to eat that, you know, something's going to get to it and it's going to feed them. But it's yeah. not, not the way I want it to go. 
So yeah, that, that was this year's right. deal was to try to figure out. And you know, like uh, is it Joel? Joel Strickland. Listen to his uh-huh. um, his deals on the shot shell was awesome. Um, yeah. You know, like watching you always take close in shots is, is part of the equation. But the spot I go, the shots are always close in anyway. I'm not forced. Mm-hmm. I can't take long shots unless they're you know, and there's just no room to take a long shot. But uh, anyhow, yeah. so that, that's kind of been that's that's my like new phase of research and figuring out. So have you made any changes? Or are you still thinking about have you changed? Yeah, shells so, so last so choke so last year I bought a um, a gun that could shoot three and a half inch shells, and I was all into the three and a half inch shells, and I shot those all year long, and you know I thought I was I was doing better, um, but I just watching different videos and, and everything I've, I've kind of. Uh, I've left that, you know, I, I probably got eight shells left from last year and I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll use them, but no. So I'm going to shoot, um, I think it's federal just came out with the bismuth, uh, load. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going with five. I bought four boxes of fives, uh, nice. five bismuth. I truly spent, uh, Elliot, I spent about two months trying to figure out if I should buy loading gear and load TSS tens. Mm-hmm. And I thought, nines <laughs> wow. and, I thought nines or tens would be the thing to load with TSS because my mentality is, is like last year I pulled the trigger. Um, uh, probably, I think I shot 105 times at birds in flight. Mm-hmm. And then I probably shot another 20 to 30 shots of cleanup, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm trying to not finish because I don't have a dog. I'm not, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going out after it unless it's, you know, laying down. Um, right. so I have a lot of cleanup rounds. So I think I shoot 140 times and 30 of those are wasted because they're cleanups. And if I could shoot like 60% as often with a, with a TSS or something, um, and get rid of at least one or two of those late, late cripples and maybe even get three or four more ducks, it's worth it. Now it sucks to spend four or $5 a shell. Uh, but then yeah. everything I read from a marketing standpoint Everybody says TSS, it's all about shooting a duck at 60 yards. And it's like, so if that's the benefit to TSS, I don't want it, you know? Right. So right. I'm confused Amen. because it's like, I want TSS because it's powerful and it'll knock them down. But I don't want TSS because I can shoot at 60 yards because I would never, I, I would get zero enjoyment of killing. No, right. I get five, yeah. 5% enjoyment of killing a duck at 60 yards. So I, I'm confused, yeah. but I'm, I'm going bismuth. I'm hoping I pull the trigger. Well, I want to pull the trigger more because I want to see more ducks. But I, per per shoot, per duck I shoot at, I hope I pull pull the trigger 60% of the times, you know, mm-hmm. because I get a better kill rate and maybe I let a couple go that I didn't need to shoot at, whatever. Uh, so in the yeah. long run, at $2 a shell, it might cost me a little bit more, but it's not going to cost me double. So that's what I'm going with. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's yeah. right or not. The TSS thing is going to wait another year. And, and I and I may never go there because I I may realize that what I'm doing now is better. But you know, growing up in the with shooting shooting pheasants with lead, it was it was it was very lethal. Um, shooting ducks with steel, I'm just I'm not confident. I don't really feel like it's uh, that great. But I do. You know, but it should be because I shoot a lot. You know, twenty. I I think twenty twenty five yards is most of my shots. I'm not saying every time, but my, I, yeah. I shoot a lot of close shots. I'm, I'm just not. I don't think I get a good pattern on. I don't think I'm. You know, I'm not that good of a name. And what, what what shotgun are you shooting? I shoot a um, Mossberg 940. It's a 940 or 935. Yeah. Um, I think it's whatever. It's a three. It's the it's the Mossberg um, uh, Waterfowl Pro that shoots um, three and a half inch shells. I forget if it's. I like Mossberg. I I shot a uh, 900, which is a pump for like 20 years, forever, and I really I really really liked it. I think it's um, durable, I think and and it's got. If yeah. I understand the marketing correct, it's got a, a barrel of a 10 gauge. And in, in, that, in my mind, that makes more sense if you're shooting, when I was shooting three and a half inch shells, it gives more, less, I felt like it'd be less kind of that banging around concept mm-hmm. because the barrel's a little bit bigger. But maybe I'm not understanding that correctly either. But either, either way, um, I'm happy with the gun. It's a cheaper gun. It, mm-hmm. I dropped it, you know, I, I, I hunt out of a kayak. I, I dropped it in the water once while I was shooting because I was taking a shot over the top of my head and the whole boat did a flip in three feet of water. And I, oh. you know, so I, twice my gun's been in the water and uh, it's, yeah. it's survived both those. So I'm happy Great. with it. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. 
And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. And I think I said Mossberg 900. It's Mossberg 500, which oh, yeah, in yeah. the chat yeah. said 500. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm fully convinced um, that shooting ducks inside, you know, around the 30 to 15 to 30 range, I think steel's good enough. Um, I, 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 two years I used Boss. Um, they were promoting us for, I, I just, it's just so expensive. I, I would love to shoot Boss or, or something like that. But for me, it's just so expensive. It was like, if I'm not getting it free, I just can't justify doing it. And I, I, I shot it for two years and then I shot and went back to federal for the following two years. And I looked at my numbers and they're fairly significant sample sizes. And, and my numbers are almost identical with the two. And I think with, with my shot selection being what it is, I don't think that I see that much value out of going to a more expensive shell. Yeah. Well, what um, I'm sure there's going to be some more to what it. What number do you shoot with steel? I was shooting um, fives for ducks. The two and three inch fives is what I was shooting with boss. Um, and then I was shooting fours for geese. This year I'm shooting, we've shot federal for most of my steel. So my first year of water hunting was the first year of the lead band. And so we've seen steel progress through. And we've, we've shot federal loads through most of that. This year, teal season, I was shooting browning seven and a halves for teal and, and then for big ducks uh federal threes okay uh, so i know for i know for teal i shoot way too too um too big of a pellet i I bought steel Mm. i bought a case of steel fives and that's because that's all they had and and i i don't i don't know that that's the the best thing for um teal I don't think it's awful. I mean, we shot fours at teal for a long time. I don't think fives are awful, but anymore, I, I want to be at least at sixes, but I don't think, I think that that's probably a, a smaller size than most people shoot. For okay. Two, I bet okay. You. Yeah, and you know, I like I said, I think a lot of it's aim. I think of a lot of it's learning, you know, pheasants fe- are, fe- it's pheasants are a quick shot because with every second, you wait on a pheasant, the experience gets worse. The bird's getting further away, mm, shooting right. in the butt. The, the experience just gets worse. So it's all about a quick right, shot right. And, and that deal. The, the, what I'm learning about ducks, and it's it's taken me, you know, it, it took me a while to learn it, but it's the opposite. The longer before you pull the trigger, the better the experience. You're, you're watching right, the duck work. Not that I, I, I don't call very good. I'm terrible with musical instruments, so I blame that for my – I don't know how to call um, I do a little whistling and I do a little, uh, little simple things, but the longer you wait, the more you get to see them fly, whether they're working or just flying. Yeah. Um, right. you know, like that experience of them landing and, and seeing like a duck at eight yards is amazing. What you can see with yeah. feathers, eyes, yeah. all that stuff. Yes. Whereas taking a crossing shot at 40 yards is just, you know, this, you don't see any of that stuff. And then that's what I, yeah. that's what I really love, like about duck hunting as I've learned, not that I'm, I've got a lot to learn, but as I've learned what I have learned, which is be patient, let them come in because it's the hundred percent opposite of pheasant hunting where you're going to shoot them in the butt. And if you wait three more seconds, now they're at 50 yards, you know, whereas a duck, if you wait three more seconds, it's probably going to be closer. So yeah, that, that's yeah. been, that's kind of been my, Absolutely. My, my fascination with duck hunting is that, um, being patient and seeing what happens. Yeah. And I think some of us get more enjoyment out of seeing them close than others. I, I like, I'm a birder. I don't go on birding events where I go out and look for birds, but I absolutely love birds. I love seeing birds. If anytime I'm drying, I'm seeing a bird, I'm trying to identify it. If I can't identify it, I'm looking at my book. I've been keeping a checklist since college. So for me, seeing like an American kestrel or an ibis up really close brings me a lot of excitement yeah so i translate that to my waterfowl hunting it's just like you said if i kill a bird at 15 where you can just see it so close you feel like you can touch it versus killing something at 40 it is a night and day different enjoyment level for me and i think that people that are really into birds in general on the whole scale probably 
enjoy that aspect of it a little bit more. I've heard people say that like they prefer shooting long shots because they love, I think it makes them feel really successful and good to be able to kill something farther. And that just does it for them where other people, you know, like, like you're saying for you and myself, it's just like, I, it's just that that's not what it it doesn't do that for me. It's seeing them in in close. If, if we get a decoy and pass and we don't shoot because we're like limited out on pintails or whatever, and they're in at ten yards, it's like that's a monumentous event. Just watching that bird and all the feathers. Yeah. I so can... so I yeah that makes complete sense. Like I I know um this is duck hunting, but 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 kind of a deer a deer hunting scenario. Obviously, if you shoot a duck at eighty yards, it's unethical. You're not going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad situation. But if you're a good shot, if you're if you're a sniper, you can shoot a deer at 400 yards. You can shoot a deer at 500 yards. But and that would make that person potentially excited because they shot a deer that far. For me, it'd do nothing mm-hmm. because all I'd see would be some little blob out there at the distance. Mm-hmm. My my fun is, and again, I've only I've only deer hunted three or four seasons in my life. But my funnest year was I sat in a tree blind like I was an archery shooter. I don't know how to shoot an archery, so I shot a rifle. But but being you know 42 yards or 38 yards whatever I was from that deer I, I didn't I didn't scope him or I didn't range him because it wasn't important since I had a you know a rifle but but being seeing the the interaction that close to that deer it's the closest I've ever been to a, a to a deer in a hunting situation because normally you'd sit in a spot where you're 150 yards from three different points and you shoot the deer at 150 yards um, and that's that's how I did, had done it prior but point being is that was the best experience because I was able to you know, see squirrels running around. I was able to see, you know, other animals running around. And then when I finally did see the deer, you know, it's close enough where you can just like, it's there, you know, not that I haven't seen right. in Texas. I mean, especially Austin. I mean, you, you can see deer at five feet, hundreds of them, you know, I mean, it's not like I've yeah. never been close to a deer, but when you're, when you got the gun in your hand and it's in that, that scenario, it's just different. So yeah. the closest is Absolutely. really important to me. It's uh, it takes it to a whole nother, no, whole nother level. Yeah. One question I want to ask you about that little hole that that you hunt. What what species of ducks are you killing in there? Is it mallards or are you far enough south that you guys don't get that many mallards? I haven't seen a whole lot of mallards in my hunting down here. So mm-hmm. this place has a lot of wood ducks. Now, the last couple of years, the wood ducks have been even crazier because what, what my feeling is, is all the places where wood ducks would normally be have dried up. And mm-hmm. so they were forced somewhere different. So my first two and a half years of of duck hunting, it would be three wood duck, two wood duck, three wood duck, two wood duck, randomly each each hunt. Like if you saw two groups of three, that would be a normal hunt. Well, last year, two of the places I hunted, they were in groups of 50 to 80 because I don't think they had anywhere else to go. Like they got pushed out of their normal habitat. And again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know this, but I feel like they got pushed out of their normal habitat into these certain spots because they were the only available spots to go. So last year was very different with the wood ducks. I saw a lot more of them, but, but typically in this hole that you're talking about, I'm talking about, we're talking about, um, I would say one third of the birds I'd shoot would be teal. One third mm-hmm. of the birds I would shoot would be green, always green, almost always green wing teal. Uh, one third would be wood duck. And then probably a split between one third gadwall of the other third, it'd be one third gadwall and two thirds mallards. Okay. So, you know, nice. however you want to break that down. Yeah. Two out of every 10 ducks. Well, that's cool. Mallards and whatever. I don't know if you've seen, I've got a, one place I hunted, not last year, but because it was dry last year, but the year before, and I did about five hunts. It's this little, little slew, kind of similar to what you're talking about, where it's about, you know, probably 30 by a hundred, a little bit bigger. And man, we had green wings in there and I don't know how they work in your hole, but when we get little groups of green wings in there, they like swoosh over your head at full speed, go to the end of it, wrap all the way around. And man, they just bank down in. It is the funnest thing. Is that how the green wings act in your hole? You know, the way I sit in there, I miss a lot of it until they're actually, I probably missed the first part of it. And then I catch uh-huh. them when they do the, the last part of it. I've had yeah. I've had one group one group of uh, of gadwall that I saw so so about 125 yards away there's a bigger channel that's probably twice as big as what you're talking about 
And then mm-hmm. the, 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 the trees, again, Texas trees are small, but the trees don't start until like another 20 yards. So when it's all said and done, it's, it's a pretty open area. So anyhow, sometimes mm-hmm. you can, when I sit out a little further in my hole, I can see that pocket to the right, about 150 yards. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times you, you'd see a, a group circle there, but I was lucky enough to get them to come to me. Um, so anyhow, a group of eight to 10 Gawal, they came into the short side, the 14 yard side. And so they're coming over a 40 yard tall, a 40 foot tall tree and they've got to drop it in this little spot. And it's never really yeah. not windy. I mean, it's windy, but it's not, it's not that windy. So, so for them, that was really weird to have them drop in that short way, you know, yeah. tight way. But 99% yeah. of the birds always kind of work in, you know, work in this, the pattern of the long part, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, the open part of the oval. Um, but, you know, I get pretty tucked in there and I, I know I don't see a lot. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a lot of birds that are 40 yards from that I never see or 70 yards from yeah. that I never see. So I kind of just catch the tail end of it, which is fine with me because – I'm sure if I saw them too early, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a good caller, so I don't use that as my trick or, or my, my method. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd rather just sit tight and uh, hope for the best. Yeah. Well, that, that place sounds great. I love little holes like that there. Anything where birds have to at some point go vertical it ups the excitement, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, well, I think that that we hit about everything I, I can think of. Okay. Is there anything else that you'd like to share thoughts you had questions at all? No, no, I just, uh, like, like I mentioned a little bit when, when we got started is, uh, I'm jealous of you and, uh, you and Matt up in Nebraska because, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful area up there. And, uh, I haven't quite got, I haven't quite gone there when the water conditions were correct. Um, yeah. but, uh, but anyhow, it's, and I'm sure, you know, people go to other countries and people go to other states and there, there's, there's just, you know, there's millions of opportunities out there and everybody, it's, it's great that everybody can just find what kind of works for them and what they like and get experience yeah. different things. But no, this has been great. I've, uh, I've enjoyed um, not only tonight, but I've enjoyed uh, just all the stuff I've been able to pick up from you and seven or eight other uh, guys similar to you over the past uh, three and a half years. Right. Well, I appreciate you coming on with me. The, I just love these podcasts, just learning from different experiences of everyone and how they see things is just so fascinating to me. So I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Hang on when, um, when I close this out, cause we're off air, we're still going to do the giveaway for the rest of them. But thank you again for coming on and joining me. Those of you that are listening, if you again, join us over at patreoncom slash freelance duck hunting, you can get involved in these and, and watch them, watch some of the podcasts and, or just reach out to me if you have any questions at all. So thank you so much. Once again, you've listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.